0: Are you excited for the Word of God today? Amen. I am. I am. Um, If you want to turn your Bibles to the book of Hebrews, chapter 10. Hebrews, chapter 10. Uh, Taking a large part of this message today, uh, as I told you, I'm not a TV preacher watcher so much, but I like to listen to other messages. I can't attest to or, or, or validate or... Um, stand behind some of these guys that I don't know what their daily walk is but I know when I hear the word of God and it lines up with his word then I, then I am all for that if I know that they are speaking the truth we've all seen preachers who have had downfalls but what they spoke the truth people still got saved and baptized uh, healed because God did that for the people's faith so when it's his word it will not fall to the, down to the ground void but I'm using a, a large part of the message today from another Stephen Furtick message Elevation Church and And I want to look at this scripture because this scripture is so powerful as I read this. Really, um, uh, you could almost just read the scripture and leave it as a sermon itself because there's so much uh, truth to this. But in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 35 through 37, in 35 through 37, So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patience, patient endurance is what you need now so, what you will, so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. For in just a little while, the coming one will come and not delay. And my righteous ones will live by faith. But I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. Do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. Different versions have a little different uh, wording in there. But it says, Now you need to per- persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For, ju- for in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. So do not throw away your confidence. I wanna, want us to make a declaration this morning. And I want you to make this declaration before you probably even feel like you can make the declaration. And, and we'll do it again through the, the sermon. But I want you to say, my confidence is coming back. My confidence is coming back. My confidence is coming back. And before you think we're going into any kind of self-help mode here, um, some kind of self-help guru I've read on, it's not. In this scripture... Um, You know, God is talking about a confidence that's coming back. Not a Facebook kind of confidence where you post a little post and and a well-crafted, well-positioned selfie, and if you don't get likes within 15 minutes, you delete it because you assume that it was unpopular. Not that kind of weak confidence, but a biblical confidence. Not a kind of a hanging out of my clothes so people will take notice and tell me I look good type of confidence. A shallow confidence. Not a confidence that's, that's um, that, that kind of compensation where, where I've got to get something back to have confidence. I've got to give, have somebody giving something to me to get confidence. It's important that I say this because confidence has, has a context. Do you know that if you read God's word out of, the, out of the wrong context, in the wrong context, you'll get a wrong message. Context is everything. So many people want to pick and choose a little verse and repeat that verse without reading the context that it's in, and they get a completely different message. It's like when people said, God said, don't judge. Well, you have to read the whole context of that because God has called us to judge, but we have to be careful in which way we judge lest we be judged in that same way. I'm just saying that the context is important and the writer of Hebrews has, uh, 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 has a daunting task that, in that he's trying to strengthen and reconstruct the confidence of a group of Christians who are in crisis. I, I struggle with this all the time. A little bit of crisis comes, and my confidence goes down. Am I the only one here this morning? Now, now Belinda, I think wasn't Wednesday we said everybody looked pretty tired, maybe a sickness and everything. So I'm not going to let you get by with just sitting here this morning and not interacting. So we're going to try this again. Anybody else ever have a little bit of low confidence when you're in crisis? All right. Some are still not raising their hands. We'll pray about all the liars in here. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) But in order for the writer in Hebrews to try to bring this confidence to these believers who are in crisis, he's speaking to them in the midst of a trial a real crisis of confidence, and he's trying to get them focused on Christ in their crisis. And in order to do this, he employs two rhetorical devices that he he uses to contrast and context the contrast and the context. In other words, he's contrasting what they're going through uh, and putting it also in context. And it's amazing that you what you can get accomplished when you focus on Christ in your context. Let me let me put it to you this way. He's contrasting. It's like when someone says that things are really the worst they've ever been in our country. Really? Really? You know, I, I thought about that because I've had that said to me pretty often. Man, this country is going to hell in a handbasket. It's the worst it's ever been. Really? Slavery wasn't slavery wasn't up there on your list. Bad lynchings, you know. That kind of racial divide where people couldn't sit in the same place on a bus. Things aren't, things aren't a little better in that aspect. I know what you're saying. Some things have gotten worse, right? But we tend gloom, doom, and despair. We tend, to, and when we think we're in crisis, we tend to lose our confidence in everything. And so you have to really put things in context. In, in this setting, in this context, he gives them a picture of Christ who is better. Better than the angels in, in theological terms, he, it's the super, superiority of Christ. That means if Christ is in you, then you are greater than he that's in this world, right? You, you have what's in you is greater than, than that is which is in this world. He is better than anything in name, he is better than anything you can inhale. He's better than anything you can snort. He's better than anything you can chug. He's better than anything that you can give your life to. Any addiction, any relationship, that Christ is better than anything. He's better than the mediator of the old covenant, which was Moses. And it's in this context we must present to the people, he must, this writer must present to the people a motivation for perseverance. So he has to do this by establishing their confidence in Christ when they're in crisis. So not only does the writer provide a contrast of the Mosaic official system in the temple, but uh, but the hope in Jesus Christ that we have the sacrifice that's been made once for all. And the reason I know that we can have this confidence, I didn't see any bulls or lambs strapped to your trunks this morning as you're driving in. Nothing on the bike rack. You didn't come in here with a knife ready right? to slit the throat of an animal sacrifice, right? So so we know we have confidence in Christ that he's paid the ultimate price for us. You, you know, really, we don't ta- we take for granted the fact that if this was old covenant, you couldn't have walked in this building on your own without falling dead because of the presence of God. You know, I, I've challenged myself to, to re- get myself back in the mindset, give a new reverence to coming into the presence of God because... We do take that for granted. Do we believe what the Bible says is true? Well, if the Bible is true, then the fact that what Jesus did on the cross is the only way you walked in here and are still standing alive because of the sin that comes into our life. It's by his sacrifice he made a way for us to come into the presence of God. Otherwise, you'd have to do it through a priest. And when you put things in that context and contrast it to what it was before you have an uh, it's almost like you got a new revelation which is a non-new revelation but you got a new revelation wow i am so blessed just to come in to the presence of god you know as ken prepares worship songs and we may go to this church and say well i don't really like the worship there or i'm gonna go over here i'm i'm not sure i kind of like that worship there i'm not sure it's not really my flavor maybe maybe here and I would say that really it's because we look at worship through the wrong context and, and contrast. Because, because the truth is, we are just fortunate and blessed to have so many places we could go in and worship God. If you really sing the words and the meaning to the song, you may not be, that may not be the tune that fit your style, but we're not listening to the radio when we come in here to get entertained. We're not coming for entertainment. Well, maybe if we are, but that's the thing. Then we're looking at it through the wrong context. So so the writer is trying to help them see in their midst of crisis, they've lost all confidence. And he's trying to help them see that in Christ, they should come confidently because in contrast to what, what it was before Christ, they've really got it good. I've found that you can lose a lot of things in life if you lose your confidence. You know, the devil cannot take your calling, and each one of you have a calling. Oh, pa- pastor, I'm not called to ministry. Well, maybe not full-time ministry, but you have a calling. God has given you a calling. But the devil can't take that. And the Bible says the gifts and the calling of God are without, with re- without repentance. That means he doesn't change his mind when you lose your way. You know, otherwise, I wouldn't be standing up here because I took a 20-year diversion from my calling on my life, right? Uh, There's times when I was wanting to get back to it and God had to make the way, but it's like the children wandering through the wilderness. I kept making wrong decisions, which, which would keep me at bay from fulfilling my calling. But the devil could not take away my calling. So how did he keep me away from it for 20 years? How? You have to ask yourself, just just the same thing as you may have tried 10 or 15 different churches and you're trying to figure out what am I doing here? How do I live a Christian walk and what am I supposed to do with my life? What does God have a what what purpose is it? How is it that you can be so confused about it? Because the devil can't take your calling. So the devil can't take your calling. What does he attack? If the devil can't take away what God wants you to do. Even here at New Song, if this is where God wants you, then whatever He has for your New Song, He can't take that away. But what is keeping you from doing that? He attacks your confidence. You hear it in speech. Oh, Pastor, I don't know. I don't know if I could. I don't know if I could teach a lesson. Oh, Pastor, I just. I'm not really good at anything. I don't think I can. Oh, Pastor, I don't. I don't know. I, I just. I just really want to come in and sit. I don't know that I can. Really do anything for God. I, I'm just you know I don't really know any scripture, and so I can't do it. What does the devil attack? Well, he can't take your calling, so he attacks your confidence, and that's what the writer of Hebrew is dealing with at this same time with a group of believers. Because if the devil, if he can't, if 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 he can get you to give him your confidence, he can keep you from from, you know, raising your, your kids. I mean, there's people that because they feel like the devil's lying to them, saying, yeah, you're just going to be just like your parents, and your parent was maybe detrimental and a bad influence on you, and so you're, you're afraid to even raise your kids because you're afraid you'll do the same thing. If the devil can take your confidence, he'll keep you from fulfilling the calling God has done to bring up those kids in the ways of the Lord. You can have a great calling and no confidence. That's why there are preachers who are incredible ministers who, who the churches grow because they are great leaders and they are great organizers. And they're great well, really, it's just that they have found the confidence in what God's called them to do. And others, like me, they're growing. It's a process of God trying to make me realize the confidence I have in him. Christians without confidence really should be an oxymoron. I mean, the whole context of the gospel is confidence. If you read it in that context, everything you read is about God saying you should have confidence because of me. Not because of you, but because of me. More than conquerors in Christ. We know who wins in the end, right? Uh, Run the race with endurance towards the prize. It's all about confidence. But you can have a great calling and no confidence. I've heard it said before, a believer without confidence is like a rocket ship without rocket fuel sitting on the pad. It has all this potential to reach the highest places, but it has no power to get there because it's missing the fuel. You know, there's times that we, we can listen to a message and we're listening to it out of the wrong context. Uh, we contrast, basically we're, we're focused in on our failures instead of what God is trying to tell us where to go past those, and we walk out feeling uh, defeated. And if it doesn't make you confident, it's not the gospel. In other words, if you didn't receive the gospel, then you aren't going to walk out confident because the gospel is all about confidence in Jesus Christ. So if you've ever had anything preached to you and you walked out feeling defeated, you didn't hear the gospel in the correct context. And the author of Hebrews is giving some context to this crisis. And perhaps he should preach it to our nation right about now because we have churches that are folding daily, that are decreasing in number and pastors leaving the ministry. Do you think that that's God's calling? Or do you think that the devil finally just took their confidence because he couldn't take their calling? The Bible says the church will not fall, it will completely be crushed, right? There will always be a church. But individual churches, church bodies, give up and falter and fail, not because they weren't supposed to be there, not because the community didn't need them, but they lost their confidence. By the way, I'm preaching to myself this morning, so before anybody thinks that I'm pointing at you or staring you down, it's at me. I'm struggling often right now with my confidence as a leader. It's something that I have to look to texts text like this to remind me that I should have confidence in God. You know, I've, I hear people saying some weird stuff, like I said, like, you know, uh, this is the worst time ever in our nation or things are, are, are the worst they'll ever be and that's not true. It's just like us wishing that we would eventually get a Christian president and that the United States would just get better and better. And I think we pray for that. And I think we pray for our leaders. And we do that. But we have to realize that we're not headed for things to get rosier, that the, that the Lord is coming back. And we know Scripture says things are going to get worse. So we have to look at the context of how we see our world. It's like the young white minister I heard of who stood up in a conference and he said, our nation is more divided than it's ever been. And pretty soon, an older, uh, elderly uh, black minister stood up, and he brought the whole thing of, really? Slavery wasn't worse? And, And by the time the 15 minutes of him speaking was up, that young white minister wanted to crawl out of there because he realized he had misstated. We often look at our situation when we're in crisis, and we totally lose confidence. You know, I've thought many times how crazy... Our, our, our politics are and how crazy elections are and wonder if they were always this crazy you know, before I was old enough to remember and, and can, it can really make you feel like our system is the worst there is in the United States and I hear Christians complaining about how bad our politics are and our systems. Do you know in a lot of countries that a change of power doesn't happen until there's bloodshed in the streets? Do you know in many South American countries it takes uh, someone being murdered before there's a change of power? You know, ours is relatively a peaceful change of power in our country. We're blessed because of that. We, we don't see bloodshed in the streets. This last one was probably the closest we've ever seen to that, right? It's context and contrast. Sometimes your relationships you have, you've lost because of context. I've, I've talked to couples where, you know, in a short time they can say we love each other. And a short time later say, we want to be done with each other forever. they've lost lost the context where where's all those things the, the, the devil wants to rob from you all the good things so they'll they'll focus in and the context will be through one negative thing that they don't like about that person or has eaten at them, and they'll ignore the hundred things that made them love them enough to get married that that is that someone that one person will do a thing to offend you, and, and in light of that one thing they did to offend you, you will walk away from the hundreds of things that caused you to love them. The devil is a, a master of trying to create crisis in your life by causing you to lose your sense of context of what's going on around you. And that's what you have to, have to do, because Eve was lied to. I mean, did God really say you couldn't eat from all these trees? No, God just said don't eat from that one tree. That was the real context. But the temptation got to Eve because the thought of mis- missing out on something couldn't have everything. That there's one there's one parameter. There's one thing you can't do. And many times in our marriages, in our families, we, we can't respect that one thing that that person that we're with says, I'm not ready to give up this one thing. Can we not compromise? And people stick their, uh, dig their heels in the sand and say, no, I'd rather divorce. I'd rather be rid of this situation than to be able to see this in the context of, hey, it's one issue that we could work through given some time. You know, Jen and I have been married 13 years. We didn't stay married 13 years because we dug our heels in the sand over every single issue. There's some, yes, and we hammered that out, and there's some we just said, it's not worth arguing about. It's not worth fighting about. We know God has called us to be together and let no man put us under, and so chances are we're letting the devil We're letting the third party try to get in there and divide. We have to see it from the context of God's got a greater calling for us. These minor issues are really minor, even though we blow them up and make them major in our head. So turn to your neighbor and say, keep it in context. Say, keep it in context. It's like the new believer who struggles with the fact that, you know, Christianity seems like it's all rules and God's just giving me rules and I can't have fun in life. It's because they haven't lived the walk long enough to realize that the fun of serving God sometimes is knowing that in times of crisis, he's the one that carries you through. That that you miss out on the partying and you're worrying about that, but the thing is, is that, that those are the things God's trying to protect you from because those decisions put you in environments that can get you in a lot of trouble. It says, do not throw away your confidence. You see, that's a pretty powerful admonition within itself that when you give it its full context, it's even more powerful. Let's look at verse 19. We're going to back up a little bit if we could. I know we said we're in verses 35 through 37, but if we could back up to verse 19 real quick, uh, where he is encouraging this community of faith that it is in, in an identity crisis. They're losing their friends because of their faith. Let me read to you verse 19. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new life, giving way through, through the curtain so into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty con- consciences This says exactly what has come up over and over in my sermons. And you guys think I'm on my my little pedestal, my high horse about it. But this whole thing about community. This whole thing about building each other up, being present. How many times really, and when we've been talking about it, do people in the church get together outside of the church services? So if you aren't even engaged in the church services and here regularly and getting to know people, how do you think that's going to pan out from you? It doesn't matter whether it's a new song or, or uh, a church across town or across the street, God has designed it the same way for every church. And sooner or later, you have to come to terms with, if I'm going to walk this Christian walk, I need to do it God's way and I I need to do it with body of believers. There's suffering lost in the personal life. It says, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have, since we have confidence Now we may not be, we may have confidence, but we may not be accessing it it right now. It's like having a cell phone. Many of you have cell phones, and maybe you're looking at your Bible app, maybe you're not using it. You have it, but you're not always using it. And and so you can have something and it not be in use. And many times we we don't realize, we have the confidence in the Lord, but we don't use it, we don't utilize it. So the Lord speaks to some of us this morning that, We've been losing our confidence, but he wants you to know that you have to have confidence to enter the most holy place. There's three three things about this passage that the writer, I'm going to turn them into Cs so we can remember the words easier. Cs, but the first one is conscience. You know, it's awful hard to have confidence when you have a troubled conscience. I found times when I'm preparing a sermon like this one. And I realize how, how weak I've been in my confidence and I get convicted. And, I, and sometimes it leads me to have a conversation many times with my wife or kids to apologize or make things right before I can preach that message because I realize I've failed at God's word too. But the enemy will attack your conscience because the most interesting thing I've witnessed happens when he attacks your conscience. When he attacks the Holy Spirit trying to prompt you to do what you're supposed to do, which we call our conscience is people will actually separate from the body instead of run to the body. I've seen it before I was a pastor. We'd have couples that we didn't know they were getting ready to maybe go through a divorce or they were having troubles in marriage and they didn't want anybody to know about it, so they left the church and then split off. And then they couldn't go back because they are embarrassed because the enemy with a troubled conscience will steal your confidence. They felt like they could not come into the holiest, uh, holy of holies, the, the holiest place, come into God's presence because of what was going on in their life. But it's the exact place that they needed to be, and they needed to have built relationships. That's, that's one of the important things, built relationships, so that they have others to stand with them. And that's the second thing we'll see through this passage is Community. Community. Hebrews 10.22, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that, brings, that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. We come into this covenant and this promise of God. This is a relationship that's described and devi- uh, defined and elaborated right here for us to say, this is how you're successful in having a clear conscience. Verse 23, let us hold unwaveringly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. He who promised is faithful. I haven't always been faithful to God. I'm sure you could say you haven't always been faithful to God, but he has always been faithful to me. He's always been faithful to you. And then verse 24, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward the love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. That means that as crisis gets worse, as you see things in in our culture getting worse, that your charge from this writer of Hebrews is to not pull away and forsake the assembling of each other. That if you want to be able to enter the presence of God with a clear conscience and not have the enemy trying to steal that from you and have the confidence that you can go before the throne as a child of God, then you cannot forsake the, the assembling of each other. You cannot forsake the community that he's put around you. Many of us try to integrate into a body of believers and and it's not that you have to give up your friends that you've had outside the church, but if you have a bunch of people that are not encouraging you and spurring you on to live a, a successful life in Christ, then guess why it's exponentially harder? Because you're refusing to take the Word of God and say, I've got to cling to these people. Now, now I know Ken's not perfect, and, and Mylon, I know, well, well Mylon, you might be perfect. I don't know. No, close. But, but Mylon's not perfect. Close, but not perfect, right? Uh, and Nancy, we're not perfect, right? But the thing is, as God has placed you in this room, in this building. He's brought you here. He's put something in your heart that says, I need to keep coming back here. I look at the faces around here, and everyone has expressed to me that this is their church home that's in here. And so that means that if you, if you refuse to move forward and make efforts to dig in and build relationships with those around you, then there's going to be something broken. And guess how that ends for you? It means eventually say I just couldn't connect at that church, and so I'm going to go somewhere else. But guess what? The responsibility still falls on us to take God's word and to follow it. And His word says, "Don't forsake that relationship." It's how you. It's one other way you walk in with confidence. That the enemy. That's that's you get confidence from community. You get confidence from a clear conscience because you've made things right with your brothers and sisters. You're building those relationships. So confidence is built through the the purified, the clear conscience, knowing that you're forgiven. It's through, through a community. And thirdly, and lastly, as soon as my iPad cooperates, consistency. It says, don't give up meeting together. Encourage one another even more as the day of the Lord approaches. You see, you see these athletes with huge biceps. You know, they didn't just wake up one day and have those, right? they had to go and exercise, it might have been in a gym and it might have been picking up the 40 pounders. I remember every time, and I've done this so many times in my life, I try to get back into fitness and, and when it involved lifting weights, I go in there and I remember the last time I picked up 80 pounders, and was so proud of myself, so I go in there and think, well maybe not 80 pounders, maybe 70. Oh, I can't even get those things up there, right? And then I go down and the next thing you know, you're waiting, you realize, I'm going to come back when nobody's here because i got to go down to the 30 pounders again. I'm embarrassed, I don't want anybody to see that. But, but the truth is, really, it's, it's that repetition. I'm lifting those 30-pounders consistently, which prepares me to lift the 40-pounders. And then the 40-pounders prepare me to lift the 50-pounders. And the 50-pounders, so on, so on. And next thing you know, you're walking in there, and maybe it gets a little to your head. You're walking in because you're starting to build up. You're starting to look better. And you're the one, right? One of the gyms around here, you get in trouble. They got a lunk alarm if you make noise. But, you know, that was part of the fun of going in there and getting the attention of of making that loud noise and clanking the weights, right? Intimidating the guys are 30-pounders, right? See, it's a God concept of how he's designed our bodies, how he's designed our world. You don't get really anywhere in your job if you come in thinking that you're going to climb the ladder in a day, right? That consistency. I'm going to keep going at it. I'm going to keep going at it. I'm going to keep going at it. We have people in this church, uh, it's like Frankie who went through back surgery and she's been doing better, but she's still, it's a long process of healing and Danny's with her, so that's why he's not here this morning. But those folks have been here since Pastor Jim was here and consistently. And you know what? I can guarantee you that there's been times, and I can tell you because I know there's been times, that if it wasn't for folks like that in this body of Christ, I wouldn't be your pastor now because I would have quit. I would have gotten discouraged. My confidence as the devil is attacking my my conscience. He is attacking my confidence. And and before you know it, I feel alone. I didn't feel like I have community. And, And then why be consistent about it? Why keep coming back for more pain, right? I'm going to tell you this not for my benefit, but for all of your church life, of wherever God lands you, and it does benefit me. But ministry is one of the loneliest leaderships I ever imagined and i've heard it over and over i heard a young minister just planted church recently he told me that without even knowing that i already knew that he said this one of the loneliest things i've ever done in my life jen and i had people and then some of you are going to call us this week now and you're going to i'm just going to tell you don't i'm using an example but you don't have to react to it okay Um, because i've done this once before and people reacted to it and it makes us feel bad but you know, we realized we were in this church, and we became pastors. We got a little different situation than some people. We didn't get elected from outside, and we're strangers. We, we were in this church since it started, since before really the first service. But so we had close friends in here, and we were amazed at the transition when we became pastors because no longer did we get asked to go to the movies, or to go hang out, or to do anything. Now, currently, right now, the building project—you probably ask a lot—and right now, I'm going crazy trying to tread water to keep up with that. But But there's times when we weren't building and we were like, wow, we lost all of our friends when we became pastors. But you know, it's not just pastors. I I, I started realizing that I can't bellyache about that, you know, I sign up for this. It's really when you step out and start doing what God has called you to do, it starts to separate you from other people because the enemy's trying to separate people from you. He's trying to make you lonely. He's trying to keep you separate. He's trying to get you to the point where you lose your confidence because you don't feel like you have a community. You don't feel, you start, then all of a sudden you start thinking, maybe I'm not worthy. Maybe all those stuff, your conscience, right? Starts attacking your conscience. Maybe all those things I did in the past, now I'm not worthy to do this. And that's why nobody wants to be around me. I don't have a community. And so I don't even want to be consistent. I don't want to do this anymore. And you have people who give up on their faith completely. Leave the church. the church. And this is happening to our young people in colleges. The reason it is so easy, we talked about this on Wednesday, for professors who are atheists to attack their faith so easily and tear it down is because they didn't get grounded enough in a community for people to watch out for them when the devil is attacking their conscience. And the consistency was the easiest thing to go because now I'm away from everything familiar and I never built the relationships. Now somebody's telling me it's a bunch of hooey. And so I don't really think there's any need to carry on with that. I might as well just, I'm here paying money for the school, and obviously I'm paying for them to tell me what I need to know, and so I'm just going to give up on my faith. And in droves, they're saying that the young people are leaving the church for good. I don't know how many sermons this whole thing about community has slipped into. Uh, I'm probably sound like a broken record. But I gonna tell you, church, we're building a building that can close down and be empty as easy, easier than it was put up if we don't bind together. If we don't bind together in this time, if we don't come together in full strength, even some that are new, it's no better time than now to build those body of believers around you. I don't know how to even reach out to people. That makes it very uncomfortable because there's a lot of churches that make it easy. They're like, oh, we got connect groups and we'll get you here and we'll get you this and we'll get you this and we'll get you together. But you know what? You still have to make the choice to pursue the relationships God's put around you. And the writer in Hebrews is trying to tell these people who are in crisis, they're they're losing their friends, they're losing their people. He's saying, you've got to be consistent, especially as time goes on closer to the return of the Lord, because it will get harder over and over. I'm reading into what he's saying a little bit, but you can read it. When you see it, you know he's saying things are going to get tougher, especially closer to the day of the Lord. Don't give up meeting together. Encourage each other even more as the day of the Lord approaches. You you see in the athlete with a huge uh, biceps, but also I I am not big into sports, but as I was uh, using uh, excerpts from uh, Pastor Stephen's message, he brought up a uh, famous tennis player named Serena. I don't watch tennis. To me, tennis and golf, I'd rather watch paint dry. That's just how I am. Um, But apparently she was just this mega tennis player that had won over and over and over again and she's real soft spoken and so a, a, a news person interviewer saying well how did you get so good at tennis and so soft spoken she just said I played a lot of tennis <laughs> I played a lot of tennis how, how did you get such a peaceful attitude I won't call anybody out here but there's some people in the church I know It just seems like they just there's a few folks just so peaceful How did you get that way? And I bet you just softly they would say, I forgave a lot of people. I got peace in my life because I've offered forgiveness so often and so freely when I've been wronged. How did you get so solid in your faith? And there's some that would just say, I prayed a lot. I prayed a lot. How did you get so knowledgeable about God? They read a lot of Bible verses. They read God's word a lot. So the writer sets confidence within the context of a clear conscience, the context of a strong community, and within the context of a commitment to consistency. And he says, So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. Don't do it. Don't throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. And then you need to persevere so that you'll receive what he's promised. And this spoke volumes to me when I began to, to listen to the message where I pulled this from. And, and I realized just a couple weeks back on a private page among ministers, I put on there, I said, my fellow ministers, will you just pray for me? And I asked them to pray to heal my body because I was sick. And I said, and just pray for my courage, for my confidence. I didn't realize that, that it was just a, a total moment of honesty. That God, what I need most is for you to restore my confidence in you, not in me, but in you. And I have those glimmers of moments when I walk out there, especially I walk around that building, I walk around and think how great this will be, full of people, ministering more people, and then I can walk out and see all the stuff that's not done yet, and whew, the enemy starts attacking, right? Well, who are you to think you could lead this church to this? You need more people, more money. What, what are you thinking? And you know what I start thinking? If, if the enemy is attacking me, and I'm paid to be confident in the Lord, right? A pastor is paid to be confident. So if he's attacking me like that, I can't even imagine. I start thinking, what is he doing to the people in this church that I don't even know about? What is he speaking to you, trying to tear at your confidence? If he's doing that to me, I can't imagine what he's doing to folks in the church. And you have to realize, you have to realize the voice that's trying to speak to you, if it's trying to tear apart your confidence, it's not the Lord. We know who it is, it's not the Lord. But one thing I know for sure, it's just like when we had our viewers leave, and the next thing you know, we had a group from Joplin come, and then all of a sudden they get a call when they said for months we wouldn't have any inmates, and the deputy calls me and says, hey, I think we might be able to be there three days next week. (laughs) I'm like, Lord, why do I ever not be confident in you? I mean, look how you're orchestrating this. It's just sometimes things take so long to get there. You know, you get weary, and you just can't see the end in sight, and so you're like, wow, maybe I didn't hear from God. Have confidence in the things. He has spoken his word, his promises. They are always true. He is always faithful. Maybe we haven't always been faithful to him, but he is always faithful. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for this time this morning and for what your word is speaking to our hearts. That, God, that when, when um, our conscience is attacked, which we know is, is just the way we put in our worldly terms of when the Holy Spirit is speaking and telling us how to move and what to do, and we are uh, uh, fighting and tempted to ignore that. The enemy is trying to attack our conscience. And, Lord, he's trying to take away our confidence through attacking that conscience. And then, Lord, he attacks the community. If he can get us separated, if he can keep us from coming together and getting closer together, he attacks our confidence. And then the easiest of all, when we're discouraged like that, when our confidence is low, when we feel like we're alone, when we feel like we've messed up so much, and we don't have what it takes, then he takes away the consistency and, and everyone feels like they're part of a, a sinking ship and give up. Jesus, I pray this morning that you help me. Help me to stand firm in the confidence in you. That what you said, you will do. That when you spoke, that we will, we will build this building, God, and we will reach more for you. That, God, it will happen that, God, that everything that you've set before us, it will take place, not if we sit back and do nothing, but, God, if we press forward, if we work towards, if we run towards the mark, God, if we race hard, Lord, that the prize is coming, that you, who will be coming shortly, will come, and you will not delay. We thank you for all the opportunity you've given us to do mighty things for your kingdom's sake, before that time when you return. That God more and more will not perish, but will have eternal life. If you're here this morning with head bow, heads bowed, heads eyes closed, here this morning you just say, the, the word of God has spoken to my heart this morning. This isn't for my confidence, for you to build my confidence. This is for yours. If you're here this morning, you say, God has spoken to my heart, and, and there are things that I need him to help me with my confidence, that, that I can resist the, the attacks of the enemy to tear up my confidence, that he's made me feel alone, he, he's he's attacked my conscience that I'm not worthy or he's tried to attack my consistency if that's you, I just want you to raise your hand before the Lord and ask for his help Jesus, I'm raising my hand now, Lord asking that you help me, God Lord, to to, to realize that my confidence is built through through a clear conscience, Lord, that I don't run away from the body, Lord, that I don't let the, the enemy lie to me and defeat me and keep me from, from running closer to you. That I no longer need a sacrificial animal, Lord, to, to know that I can come worthily before you paid that price. That your blood sprinkled over has given me the confidence, Lord, that my conscience can be clear. And Lord, also, as I'm raising my hand, God, that you, Lord, would help me to truly, submit, become part of a community of believers, Lord, not just a crowd, not just a congregation but I would develop deep, lasting relationships with those you place around me. God, that I may be, we may build each other up we may spur each other on, especially as the day of the Lord draws near and finally, Lord, that through the consistency, just as we're lifting weights, preparing for more and more to, to much to whom much is given, much is required But Lord, you're waiting, and that when we're faithful in the small things, you will make us in charge over many and greater things. And Lord, as the doors of this community are opening for ministry, Lord, you'll give us a harvest of souls through our consistency, Lord, of continuing to come back to you and to your plan for our lives, your calling, that the enemy cannot steal our calling, Lord, that he has no authority over what you have called these people out of, Lord, that the the past is a past it is gone, it is no more, there is no condemnation in you, but called, you've called us forward, Lord, to fulfill your purpose. Lord, and this community he has many who are lost and dying. God, the school doors are opening, Lord, for this church. And I pray, Lord, as the 21st comes and we prepare that meal for the teachers and the staff, God, that you have opened that door, that we step through boldly, knowing that, God, the devil cannot take our calling, that he may attack our confidence. But we have all the confidence in you that what you are doing will be done. That the doors that are open, God, will be fulfilled. God, we will see the schools influenced through the gospel. God, we will see our city leaders influenced through the gospel. And Lord, our family members who are lost will come to know you. God, those in the hospitals that are sick will become healed and know that you have done this through your power. God, that the healing will, will continue, God. People be raised up, God. We believe, Lord, not just in miracles for miracles' sake, but for you to be glorified in all things. And that the power of your Holy Spirit would flow through this place. And that people be lit up, God, set on fire, set ablaze, that their hearts would be, be set out, Lord, to, to go and make disciples. We thank you for it and praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God has got a calling on your life and we've seen a few young men step up for credentials for possibly full-time ministry that's not always what god has called you to do but you need to step in that calling and he's put people around you to encourage you and spur you on towards that don't look at what your life has been no matter what age you are to this point and try to look at through that context and say that's all god can do with me because i've done too much wrong in the past. I'm already too late in this. That's a lie from the devil. He's trying to attack your confidence. Look at it through the context of His Word. But you're conquerors in Him. More than conquerors. Amen. Love you. God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday. Hang out in fellowship as long as you want. And uh, we'll look forward to Wednesday night. And a good time of worshiping His Word then. God bless you.